Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad tonight, I don't have a job to Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Slam podcast here on itrwrestling.com wherever you get your podcast or Patreon a day early if you're a subscriber or a pledger. Uh, my name is Kenny and I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you doing today? Um, there is a lot of wrestling news going on as always, including obviously the CM Punk title situation, which we're going to dive into imminently. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah. You know, nearly finished my Q&A, so... Um... We were going to actually do some of the questions, but I haven't quite finished the Q&A yet, so I'm not sure which one I was going to, which questions I'm going to answer in print. So we're going to do some of those questions next week, aren't we, Kenny, once yes. I've decided which questions I'm answering in the magazine. Yeah, we'll be covering uh, on next week's overrun, not this weekend's overrun, so uh, that is going to be on there. But listen, this, what we didn't get to talk about on the main podcast was, of course, the CM Punk title situation. He relinquished, well, he did not, sorry. He announced that he was injured on last week's Rampage on Friday um, and there's going to be an interim champion that is a, is a well, was a very confusing proposition as to how we get to the interim champion which is that there's going to be there was a battle royal last night on Dynamite the winner of the battle royal would face John Moxley who is the number one contender and then the winner of that would face the winner of a match that's happening in New Japan and whoever wins that match between Moxley or the Battle Royal winner and the New Japan people will fight at Forbidden Door and that person will become the interim champion. Easy, I mean, right? I mean, it's as clear as mud, isn't it? I mean, why <laughs> not just 
what is the point of this? It, you know, it kind of reminds me of Vince Russo with his tournaments and he's, oh, we need to have a tournament to fill TV time. And it's just like, you don't need any more tournaments. You don't need any more titles. We should mention also they came up with another title last night, didn't they? All-Atlantic. Now, the only thing I can make sense of with the All-Atlantic title, because obviously there's too many men's titles as it is, is maybe that belt is going to be held by someone usually that's not American. So maybe it's like a Japanese person that's defended a lot in Japan or it's defended by you know a British person like Pac in the UK. If that's the kind of belt that it is, I understand more why they're doing it. But if it's just a belt to be, to be on AEW TV, I'm... You know, I can't really wrap my head around why we need another one. We don't. We've got all these Ring of Honor titles that mean nothing. I mean, Sammy Guevara and uh, Ty Conti were pictured in the crowd, weren't they, the other week? With Was it with some AAA title belts? Do you remember that? Yeah, they're the Triple H. The Triple H. The Triple A. I mean, it's like a, is it a mix? Yeah. Mixed tag, tag belts or something? Yeah, that was it. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, you know Mad Magazine, remember? Well, Mad Magazine was something that was a huge deal when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And they did a WWF special back in the 80s. And um, I've got it somewhere. And there was like in one of the cartoons, it reads, you know, wrestling, you know, wrestling is the only sport which has more champions than challengers. <laughs> <laughs> and now AEW has actually brought that to life. That is now true in AEW. Okay, it's not quite true. There are more challenges than, the, than there are champions. But Just. I mean, they're getting there, Kenny. I mean, they're working on it. They're working on that disparity. Soon there'll be more champions than challengers in AEW. I mean, it's just absurd. We don't need any more. We, we need fewer titles, not more. It's just confusing. It doesn't add to the prestige of any existing championship. And in fact, it dilutes the uh, prestige of all existing championships by adding more. And it just, you know, it just feels like everyone wins a prize. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter where you are on the card. We're going to give you a prize. And it just makes everything less worthy of, you know, prestige and importance and feeling special and, any other way of describing it. I mean, the champion is someone who's supposed to, you know, create all. And now it's just, you know, they're just creating, you know, a sense of boredom, you know, that there's more and more championships. I mean, all Atlantic, I mean, surely it's not, if it's all Atlantic, wouldn't it be all Pacific if it was a Japanese thing? Not all Atlantic? I mean, as far as I know, does AEW really have any deals with British companies? And, you know, why would it? I mean, I mean, it's not going to go over there and film footage from a British wrestling show and air it on AEW TV, surely. So I don't, I just think it's going to be another AEW title. Oh, God. And it's another damn tournament. I mean, we're just trying to recover from the Owen Hart <laughs> tournaments that just ran and ran and just never ended and were just interminable and just didn't provide outcomes that anyone was really very happy with, or maybe Adam Cole and Britt Baker were, but I mean, I certainly wasn't. And didn't create stars. I mean, the whole purpose to me of those tournaments should have been to take somebody like a Tony Storm and make her into a bigger star so she could then challenge for the title. And instead it was Britt Baker, who's already established. So 
you know, what did they achieve by making Britt Baker champion? I, I, sorry, tournament winner and giving her that belt. I'm just at a loss to explain what the point of any of it was, other than to fill TV time. I mean, especially, what... especially now, I mean, Adam Cole, I've not watched Dynamite yet from last night, but Adam Cole was walking about with his own heart belt. And, I mean, in one way, it's like, it's, it's a weird thing because if there's an own heart belt, you kind of have to carry it around for a while. Otherwise, it's almost like it doesn't mean anything. But then if you're carrying it around and it's not a belt that's defended, it's like a weird trophy belt that you carry around. So, I mean, I, look, I grew up on three belts. Yeah. Tag Team, IC, and WWF. That was the three. And that worked great. But now, you know, we even see it in WWE, like, how meaningless is the Intercontinental Championship? You know, the, the stat that it, the, it was last defended on pay-per-view at WrestleMania 37. You know? Yeah. so well, I mean, all that could change on Friday and probably will change when there is a title change. And please let there be a title change. Oh, you know, I know. It will change when it's on something like Gunther, who's actually, who they care about and who's going to be good. But for the most part, the IC title is not focused on. And no. that's like one of a handful of titles. So to add in all these other titles in AEW, I mean... Scorpio Sky is the TNT champion. And it's not like he's setting the world on fire. Like he's fine. But I mean, I'd rather you put time into him. Is he a baby face or a heel this week? I think they're still heels. I could be wrong. They definitely did turn turn baby face for a little while, didn't they? I thought they did. I think, well, yeah. I mean, I think they were the de facto baby faces against Sammy and Ty because they're so unlikable. I mean, have you ever met any more unlikable, an un- more, more unlikable couple than Sammy Guevara and Ty Conte? Well, I think I probably actually have in real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can think of a few, actually. Think <laughs> of a few. On, on TV, as far as two people who were supposed to be baby faces, mm, probably not. Not in recent years, anyway. And then they turned them heel... And now I believe they've turned them face again, although I'm not sure. It feels very muddled to me. I mean, the only good thing that I can say about their match of Double or Nothing is that it drew a line under the feud. And now it's going to be, I believe, Wardlow. He's challenged, issued the challenge to Scorpio Sky. Yes, I think, yeah, I think he has. I'm I'm calling that progress, Kenny. That's at least progress. Yeah, it is something. Um. But anyway, so, so let's go back to the CM Punk thing. So uh, now, so he didn't relinquish the title, but Jericho had said, and I actually don't blame Jericho for this because I, if I was on commentary, I would have probably said he relinquished the title based on how it seemed it came across. Um, but Punk apparently was, blew apparently blew it, didn't he? he? Didn't understand what was going on. Well, join the club. You know, <laughs> there had to be a press release to explain what was going on. Um, so then we had AEWs on AEWs, like you know, they do the road to shows on different, you know, like road to dynamite, road to pay per view, whatever. Um, Punk was on there and he said, uh, I wasn't as clear as I should have been. I offered to relinquish the title, and Tony told me under no circumstances was I allowed to do that. It means a lot to me that this place believes in me enough to let me go get fixed. So, I mean, it's a weird one in terms of the interim title. I, I wasn't a fan of doing the interim title with. Cody and Sammy when Cody was only going to be away for like three weeks. Exactly. And it was just, it's just caused confusion. And well, then I mean, I'm, I'm, went back to 
the original person. So yeah. it was just a device to create drama and interest, but instead it was just more unnecessary props on television. And then that resulted in Dan Lambert wandering around with one of the belts, didn't it? To make things even more perplexing. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily mind the idea of Punk still being the champ and there being an interim one kind of like Razor and Sean from 1993, 94. But I've got to, I mean, I'm not filled with, I'm not filled with confidence. I mean, we know Moxley's going to be the guy that wins the interim title and that's going to be the, the thing. But, you know, I, I looked at, um, have you seen who the participants were? In the casino battle royale last night, for the for the chance to to face Moxley, did you see who these people were? Well, I, I don't think it was the the cream of the roster, was it? No. So let's read out the, the names here. We had um, Darby Allen, Eddie Kingston, decent names. I would expect them to be in there. Tony Nice, fuck me. Daniel Garcia, Lance Archer. So they were the first five. Then the next five we had. Uh, Jake Hager, Ray Phoenix, Swerve Strickland, Keith Lee, and John Silver. Then we had Powerhouse Hobbs, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, Dante Martin, Wheeler Utah. Um, then we had uh, who were the last people? I'm trying to find who the last people were here. Uh, we Andrade, Andrade was out there as well. I mean. It feels like they're missing loads of people. And they tried to explain later on by having Wardlow say in a promo that he chose not to be in the Battle Royal because he doesn't want to win the belt that way. He'd rather wait to face CM Punk. I mean, at least they explained it, but, I mean, the explanation. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the explanation, at least, yeah, they provide an explanation, but it doesn't add any prestige to the interim title if Wardlow doesn't want to win it, does it? Yeah. Because also what they could have done was, and I'm pretty sure they didn't do this. If I've got this wrong, I apologise. But, you know, William Regal was on the show and obviously he was talking about, you know, because Kyle O'Reilly won it. Fuck yes. hell. I mean, everybody <laughs> loves Kyle O'Reilly and I just don't get it. I don't like, get it. I don't get it at all. I just don't see any value in the guy. Certainly as a, maybe as a tag guy, but we've seen all that tag stuff with Bobby Fish and Undisputed Era in NXT and it was done better there and mm -hmm. he was in a team and a faction with these guys for years and years and years so who really wants to see more of that in AEW not me and you know O'Reilly's a talented guy but he's not world championship material is he he just isn't yeah, he's just not. And I mean, look, in some ways, maybe it was better that Moxley didn't face someone who was as big a name because then, you know, Moxley would just be beating them. But what I would have liked was, would have been to see, because uh, later on, William Regal was going to say, you know, Kyle O'Reilly, you don't know where you're getting into, facing John Moxley. I would have rather it was Regal saying, you know, you're lucky that Brian Danielson couldn't be in this match due to an injury or something. We need an explanation as to why he was not there because he was... You know, why was Hangman Page not in it? I mean, it's, I know he's just lost, but surely Hangman Page deserves to be in the Battle Royal more than Dante Martin. Exactly. A Wheeler Utah. I mean, I know he's just done the stuff with you. Miro? Where's Miro? He's Keep been off it. TV. Or, or Keith Lee. I mean, Keith Lee's not really doing anything there. Neither is Powerhouse Hobbs. No one really believes that he's going to be a world champion. I mean, to me, Wardlaw should have won it. 
and he yeah. should have beaten Moxley. And people right now would be going, you know, gaga for this. And that would have been a great way of moving on from the MGF thing. Um, you know, from last week when MGF stole Wardlow's thunder and Wardlow could have, I mean, Wardlow's 34, you know, Kenny. I mean, he looks younger. I looked up, I was like, God, this guy's 34. Mm-hmm. So he's not like, to me, he could pass for like 26. So he's a lot, he looks a lot younger than he is. But this is a guy who really should be, this should be, a, you know, attaching the a proverbial rocket burners to him. And had Wardlow entered that battle royal, and he had made it clear that winning the, the world title was the most important thing to him, or becoming interim champion was the most important thing to him, I think that would have added so much more interest and drama and prestige, that word again, to the battle royal. Then he should have gone on and defeated John Moxley, in my opinion. Um, and at that point, you've got this new guy, who's getting this big push, who's not been there before. I mean, John Moxley already has. He can become interim champ. That then leads to Wardlow versus CM Punk. Now, Wardlow probably wouldn't win the first match with Punk, but if he enters, you know, a heroic showing, which I'm sure he would have done, then you, you know, it's like the whole thing I say about WWE, you plant in people's minds, you know, the seed that, yes, this guy in six months could be world champion. He's not quite ready yet. But this is a status stature enhancing match. It's his first, you know, huge sort of main event. Um, and yeah, he's obviously going to be a star of the future. And then you have, you know, CM Punk shakes Wardlow's hand. They do some tag matches. Mm-hmm. And then perhaps you then leave the story with CM Punk doing the heel turn, which he obviously needs to do at some point. He turns heel and Wardlow beats him, you know, early in 2023. There you go, Tony Khan. It's all just laid out for you. I just came up with that off the top of my head. And that there would have been a hell of a lot better than what they're going to do. Well, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into some other Dynamite stuff uh, on next week's What's Going Down, since we've not really talked about much, but we've not seen it yet, so we can't do that this morning. Um, I do want to ask you about Ric Flair um, has predicted who he thinks will win the 2023 Royal Rumble. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to go a, the direction that Flair is going, but I wanted to ask you how likely you think it is that Ric Flair could be right here about who the winner of the 2023 Royal Rumble would be. He thinks it's going to be Cody. He said Cody's going to be the champion sooner or later. I'm sure they'll figure out a way to get that championship off where Roman has both of them, get one off, get one of them off of them. I think the company functions better with two champions anyway. Um, but he basically says, you know, if, if the time frame is there and Cody can get back, he sees Cody as being the Rumble winner. Do you think that's a possibility? Do you think that's a likelihood uh, that Cody could be the guy to win the Men's Royal Rumble next year? Yeah, well, you've already suggested this, Kenny, haven't you? But I'm, not, I'm, 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 a, I'm a lowly Scotsman. You know, Ric Flair's suggesting this. It's, it's worthy of more conversation when he's put it out there. And, that's, and you've been doing this for 30 years. So, I mean, I, I, I care what you think. <laughs> well... <laughs> I mean, I think you're in uh, in better graces right now with WWE than Ric Flair is. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's probably more people there that will be willing to speak to you than him. Um, yeah, I think he's right. Um, I think it seems like he's... I mean, we know Cody's not going to be Money in the Bank. Had he not suffered this pectoral injury, then he probably would have been in Money in the Bank and probably would have won it. That did seem like... Uh, the most likely outcome uh, of the next premium live event. So 
the next best, best option, or even in many ways a better option for Cody, is to win the Royal Rumble. So he is then entitled to a championship match at WrestleMania next year. So it does seem a little bit like a no-brainer. And in fact, you laid it out, Kenny, uh, when we recorded on Tuesday, that the last two people in the Royal Rumble, Jan 2023, would be Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. Cody eliminates Rollins as revenge for that heinous beatdown on Raw. Um, and Cody, Royal Rumble winner, goes on to face whomever is champion at WrestleMania. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're all in agreement on this one. Me, you, and Ric Flair. I mean, this may never have happened before. <laughs> never before, never again. Finn, Kenny, and Ric Flair all agree on something. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, to me, I think if, even if they do go with Roman Reigns and The Rock next year, if that still is the plan that they want to go for, um, I think at the very least what we can say is that the, the two title, the, the Roman having those belts does not work at the moment. No. Um, it's, it's just been announced that Roman is not going to be uh, at Money in the Bank, which we kind of saw coming because obviously it had been moved from the stadium to the, was it the intimate confines? Is that the, was intimate that? Intimate confines of the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if Roman's not around, it kind of, you know, it's like it's like the opposite of what we are just talking about with the, uh, with AEW because they've got all these titles and they're trying to create some drama with like, an interim this and an interim that whereas in WWE it's like we've just got a world champion who is barely around yeah so it, it wouldn't surprise me if whether Ro the, the Roman drops one of them and and you know like like maybe Cody wins and goes on to face someday and the other world title is is going to be uh, Roman and The Rock but then again Roman and The Rock to me I know a lot of people are saying oh that needs to be for the title to me I don't know if it does, because... Well, no, it doesn't, because... I mean, I don't even want to see this match. I mean, Rock versus Reigns. I mean, it's like, you know, loser goes back to Hollywood. I mean, with a bit of stipulation. And I, I don't think it's the right match for Dwayne Johnson at this point in his life. At that point, what is he now? Is he, I think he's just turned 50, hasn't he? 50? Yes, he is. He's 50. Yeah, because he was born May 2nd, 1972. So yeah, so he's just turned 50. I mean, this is like, this would be, this is like 11 years on from the Cena comeback match if it takes place next year. And we know what happened in those matches. He was suffering injuries. And it's like, if Reigns, I mean, I guess if Reigns beats The Rock, which I think would probably be the likely outcome, maybe that would feel huge for Reigns. But in some ways, it's a year or two years too late because Reigns has already declared that he's gone part-time. He's now basically just working out his contract until he goes. So what really is the point of enhancing Roman Reigns when he's about to leave? It doesn't really do anything for WWE, does it? So no. to me, Rock's coming in, he would be better off putting over somebody who's going to stick around. Um, but I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. But to me, that would be a more productive use of him. You know, if he were to come back and, you know, put someone like, I don't think Bron Breaker's ready yet. I mean, I don't know whether he's ever going to be a top guy in WWE. He needs to, there's things that he needs to do in order to become a top guy. I'm glad they're not rushing into the main roster because I don't think he's ready yet. But whomever you have in your mind, you think he's going to be the top man post-Roman Reigns. To me, it would be a better use of, 
The Rock and WrestleMania and all the TV time and resources and everything, if Rock were to put that person over, who's going to be sticking around for the next two, three years, rather than the guy who's made it very clear that he's, he's, he's focused and he's, um, his objective is to become a, a movie star. So they're in a strange position right now, WWE. I mean, I think they need to get one of those belts off Roman Reigns. I agree. I mean, we talked about this before it took place. We, I said this unification thing was not a good idea. Uh, that's been borne out, I think. Um, I'd like to see Reigns lose one of the belts to Drew McIntyre in uh, Cardiff in September. Mm-hmm. That's my preferred outcome for one of the championships. I think that probably is what will happen. Um, but I mean, you know, that's what I would like to see. And I think that would be huge for Drew. And I think that would be a very good use of Roman Reigns. Now he's basically, you know, he's now a part-timer and pretty much, you know, finished. Not, I think he's going to be in, uh, involved in WWE for a while. But I mean, he's they can rely on him less and less. And therefore, they really need to capitalize on the star power he has to try and create the person who's going to replace him. We Well, time will tell. Hopefully, like you say, we do see uh, Drew McIntyre pick up that win in Cardiff because that would be huge for him. Um, sure. I do want to ask you about Raven, which is a, a strange person to ask. But, you know, we, we talk about historical stuff sometimes here in the podcast. Well, that's uh, quite funny because one of the questions uh, I've answered in Q&A this month is okay. from someone called Scott Levy. Oh, and there you go. Presumably, one. it's not the guy. In fact, I know <laughs> it's not the guy who was Raven or is Raven. <laughs> uh, hopefully, yeah. I mean, it would be great if he did write into the magazine, but I, I, I don't think that... But Raven uh, was interviewed by Soundsphere and he was asked about if he felt his character was everything he wanted it to be in WWE, the 2000, the 2000 to 2002 run. Um, and he said, and, and you know, if... Uh, you know, what, if, if why it wasn't what it should have been. And he said, it would have been what I wanted if I would have made it to the top of WWE, but that was in WWE, I had heat with Vince McMahon. Long story, and so I never really got what I felt was the push I deserved in that company. So no, I didn't get to do everything I wanted, but what I did do, uh, I felt the work I did in ECW, uh, before it will stand up against anybody's work anytime, anywhere, ever, whether it's work rate, whether it's matches, whether it's storyline, storyline especially. So it just kind of got me thinking when I saw that, that I thought... You know, when Raven did come in in September of 2000, um, you know, he seemed to, he, he was in great shape. He was raring to go, but they just never really did anything with him past the hardcore title um, at all the time that he was there. Did you expect more to happen with Raven, given that he'd had the, you know, the really good run in ECW, a good run in WCW to an extent? Were you shocked that it didn't work out any better for him in WWF? Um. I don't think so. Uh, I remember I actually put him on the cover of Power Slam uh, right after he signed. I think it was issue 77, I think it was. I like a really, it was actually a really good cover and did a big feature on him called, I called it Last Chance, which, you know, his last chance to really make it as a star. And uh, I mean, I was a fan of his. I liked the character. He'd been. Scotty the Body and Scotty Flamingo and, of course, Johnny Polo in his um, first extended run with WWF uh, from 93, 94, I think it was. Um, Then he became Raven in ECW in 95, I think. Um, And that was very difficult for him to make the transition from 
you know, the comedy jokey guy. I mean, he was a manager, he was a TV presenter, wasn't he, as Johnny Polo, because he didn't feel that he was big enough to be a like a wrestling star uh, in WWF back then. So I know he had great difficulty gaining acceptance as this Raven character um, in ECW because of what he had previously been in WWF and WCW before it. Um, so he worked really hard to get that character over, and he did do, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I, th- I thought the stuff he did there in 95, 96 was really good. I mean, he only had like about two and a half year run in ECW before he joined WCW in summer 1997. It seems like he was there longer, but uh, that was about all the time he was there for. And he just, I think he just felt that after the barely legal pay-per-view that that was pretty much it for him. And there wasn't really much more for him to achieve. Um, The Raven Tommy Dreamer feud was like, you know, legendary and, you know, just a masterpiece of booking really with, it taking so long for Dreamer to actually pin Raven and actually Dreamer in some ways got more and more over by consistently or continually losing to Raven, uh, which is you know one of those things that, that can happen if you have a character that people like and, um, you know, a, a storyline that people believe in. Um, but I mean, as far as going to WCW, he never really achieved what he wanted to there. He wanted to be a top guy and, he just was never going to make it because the, there was so many established main eventers in WCW in 1997. But I think that was a real source of frustration for him. In fact, it was because when Eric Bischoff did his famous speech to the locker room, anyone who doesn't want to be here can go right now. And Raven stood up and said, right, I don't want to be here. And just that was it. He just quit. This was 99, summer 99, when WCW was totally falling apart. And just before Bischoff actually was relieved of his duties, and um, Raven then went back to ECW. So he basically, uh, Bischoff would give him a contract release, but only to go to ECW or a non-WWF company. He would not allow him, you know, a unconditional release so he could sign immediately with WWF. So he went back to ECW for a year. And that really, the rot really set in there. And, you know, those high hopes for him when he came in, ECW had just got the TV deal and it was felt that Raven was really going to be a big player there. And I don't think he was really committed to ECW. And it also just felt like a rerun. Um, so, I mean, Raven, I think, you know, a lot of the, you know, bloom was off the Raven rose from his performances and also his conduct. Um, I don't think him and Heyman really got on that well. I think there was problems there. And I felt like, I think Heyman felt like Raven could have, done so much more for the company than he did. Um, And he was just really killing time before he went to WWF the following year, which is precisely what happened. So I think he came into WWF with a lot of baggage, Kenny. You know, he'd he'd obviously left WCW on kind of bad terms. ECW and WWF, they had the business relationship. And I don't think WWF was hearing good things about Raven uh, from ECW. So I think he had a hell of a lot to prove when he when he got there. And, you know, he didn't do it. But you're right, he was in great shape. He cleaned up his act. He'd sorted himself out. He was eager to perform. Uh, but also he was coming in, remember, at a time, September 2000, when WWF had an amazing year that year. I mean, a lot of people 
look back on that period of WWF as like a golden time for the company. So there was a hell of a lot of competition there um, from established performers, established wrestlers, established personalities and characters who had track records with Vince McMahon, who he could rely on, who he, who he liked, who he trusted. And then Raven came in there and it was like he was having to start all over again. So I think he came in and, and you know, his card was, I think, marked. And I think it would have taken lots of good fortune for things to have played out any differently than they did. Um, I mean, he had that match with Rhino, didn't he? The, was it the Backlash 2001, One. I think yeah. it was? I mean, that was probably his best match there, and that was really good. But I mean, we've Even, covered this. We've covered this in depth, Kenny. How many promos or matches did Raven have that really leap out as, wow, that guy's got something. He should be pushed harder than he is. How many were there? Yeah, and there, there, none. I mean, you've mentioned that there was two matches he had that I really enjoyed in that run, which is the one you just mentioned with Rhino. I also enjoyed the Big Show and Kane three-way at WrestleMania because it was very silly. Yeah. But... I mean, that in itself probably goes to show that if I liked it because it was silly, <laughs> then that's probably not a ringing endorsement that anything more is going to happen. Um, so, yeah, it's a shame. I mean, Raven seems like a guy who's just very clever, you know, a very clever guy. I just think he was someone who could, who could, who could have or still could write a very good book if he was willing to open himself up and, you know, really tell the truth about everything and go into detail. Because he seems like someone who would remember details. Yeah, um, maybe not to the Bret Hart degree, but you know, he seems like he would be able to remember a, a lot of detail, which I think would be important. So, yeah, I mean, um, we, we did a you know, big interview with him in Power Slam in 2005, I think it was. Uh, it's in the Power Slam interviews volume two, mm-hmm. and he was very candid about where it all went wrong for him in WWF, and you know, he blamed himself for a lot of it as well, which I thought was. You know, showed a, a, a tremendous amount of self awareness, a lot of humility, which, as we know, you know, some wrestlers have that, but a lot, as we know, don't. Mm-hmm. And um, he did come across, you know, well in that interview, I felt, just talking about where it all went wrong for him. Um, I mean, he had that running TNA after um, he left WWE, it would have been by then, that point. And, you know, he, he, he did well there, but I mean, TNA, this was before TNA. I knew he had other runs in TNA as well. I mean, he was there in 2005. He had a good run then, and he came back later. And he was even doing stuff up until a few years ago, like cameo appearances. Um, I think he's, you know, he's obviously a very bright guy. In some ways, you think, well, why has this guy not got a job somewhere as a booker? You know, why is he not working on the creative end somewhere and trying to reinvent himself as a creative guy? And I'm not quite sure why that hasn't happened. Um, but he's, um, yeah, he was somebody you sort of look back and think, yeah, he should have been a bigger star than he was. But pro wrestling is a strange business. And there's a lot of stuff, so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes that a lot of us don't really understand until much later. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you're better off saying less rather than more, aren't you, Kenny? That's the way it is. Um, and if you end up with a lot of heat backstage, that can follow you around and that can just torpedo everything. It doesn't matter how talented you are. Um, so, yeah, he's um, an interesting guy who had an interesting career. But, um, you know, it's a shame he didn't go further, but I think there was a lot of reasons for it. 
Well, listen, that is as good a time as any to finish it there. We hope you guys have enjoyed the Personal Podcast. We will be, uh, next week, we will be doing a Personal Podcast. We will be pre-recording it because I'm going away for a week. So, you know, if some, it will be released next Thursday and Friday. So if some mad news story breaks on the Wednesday or Thursday, it will be before we have recorded. But, you know, but that just gives us more to talk about when I get back, Finn. So. Indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, so, but, well, we all wish bon voyage, Kenny. <laughs> Well, I hope you are going to have a great time out there in Gran Canaria, right? Yeah, I'm quite, you know, I actually weighed myself this morning um, and I'm now down. Do you, do you, whenever you've weighed yourself in, do you do kilograms or stone and pounds? Stone and pounds, usually. Okay, so let me just, uh, let me just get it in stones and pounds then. So when I initially weighed myself, uh, I was... I was 15.25 stone when I weighed myself the first time to see what I was. 15 stone? Mm-hmm. But now I am 14.5 stone. So I've almost lost a stone. Wow. Three quarters of the way there. So that's been the goal is to try and lose about a stone before I go. So I feel like I'm, <clears throat> I'm getting there. So I'm oh, pretty happy. I mean, and how much do you think you're going to put on when you're out there? Oh no! Don't even, don't even, don't even say that. Because um, well, I'm, I'm trying to work out how much. So four point seven kilograms in pounds. That sounds that that sound doesn't sound right. I can't believe you're that heavy. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I I carry it well. It must be. You know what they say, Kenny? It's muscle weighs heavier than fat. That's what it is. If, if you only knew, if you only knew, ten pounds I've lost though. I'll take it. Ten pounds. You know what? I think that's pretty damn impressive. So, you know? very good. Uh, very, very impressive, Kenny. When you know, when you know that you're going to be by a pool, I want to, I want to do my. But also, like you said, I know that when I'm out there, I'm probably going to eat more than I should. So at least if I get myself down, plus can... and inertia when you're there. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, that anyway. is the enemy. Inertia. <laughs> take away. Um, this is this is what this country needs to do: eat fewer takeaways and move more. That's the answer. I know. Well, I'm trying to do my ten thousand steps a day. I'm trying to get them in, but you know, it's, it's so uh, you know, it's, when you've got a car as well, it can sometimes be tricky because you're you know you're driving places a lot, you're whatever. So. But I've been, I make sure to take the dog at least one walk a day, if not two. Um, I actually try and look for excuses to maybe like walk to the local Sainsbury's to pick up like ice or something, because then it steps. So, and, I, and my my breakfast today is a 40 grams of protein protein shake. Oh, wow. Well, wow. so yeah, very go. impressive, Kenny. So, yeah. anyway, I mean, I'm much lighter than that, of course. <laughs> of course you are, yeah. I think I think the heaviest I've been is like 13 and a half stone. Like that's the heaviest ever. So I feel you, like I think I'm actually under 13 at the moment. I could do with probably being a little bit heavier, to be honest with you. But I mean, I don't graze between meals ever. And that is, you know, that's the killer, grazing between between meals. Just do not do it. And um, you know, just I don't eat takeaways. You know, and um, I wouldn't say my diet's brilliant, but I don't think it's that bad. It's certainly better than it used to be. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I just don't put weight on. It just doesn't happen. Well, I hope everybody that when I am Finn's age and we're doing this, and Finn's 
and Finn's in his twilight years doing this podcast that I can sit and go, I'm under 13 stone. Am I right? It's not that bad. <laughs> Hopefully I can get to that point. Um, anyway, thank you for all your support, everybody, and we will talk to you soon. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.